0: lights,
1: and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, we've got a review of the Bunbury Music Festival that was in Cincinnati last week, as well as an interview with one of the band, The Rex.
2: Uh, yeah, Schmiz and I literally just sit down, sometimes with a couple guitars, sometimes just with my laptop, and I'll just start... drum loop down and he'll start with the riff and uh, every song's different sometimes i'll literally have the whole song finished and i'm like all right i need guitar parts or i need some hooks here where should we put them in and but yeah again we just yeah just pull up pro tools on our laptop and we just start chopping away at it
1: we also have a song of the week coming up from a band that was supposed to be there but uh, did not perform due to illness but we'll hear from them and his gang of youth but first fangirl and i review the bunbury music festival So Bunbury was last week, uh, and Fangirl and I are going to do a quick review of the show before we get to the interview with the Rex. And you'd seen the Rex before. We'll start with them. Yeah, they started yeah. They started Friday, right? Yeah, they started the whole thing. They kicked off the whole...
0: Yeah, thing. they were the very first. They
1: were, the, and they were very honored to do. Such nice young boys. Aw. They were. They reminded me of a Hot Shell Ray, kind of.
0: Oh, that's so true. Right?
1: Yeah, just such nice kids making records. Uh, I sense maybe some of them actually came they might have parents in the music industry. I don't know. Uh, you have to look that up, uh, hmm. Wikipedia. But they're very nice kids. Um, we interviewed them, as you'll hear. Uh, I grabbed the uh, the lead singer, uh, and we spoke to him in the media trailer. And then they stuck around, I think, for about two and a half hours outside the media trailer just talking to fans for the whole day. And so that, pure. Right? <laughs> there you go. So that was them. We're going to go from the top down, I guess. What did you think of the Bunbury app this year? Pretty helpful, I thought.
0: Well, it was helpful if the freaking chain smokers listened to it instead of going on 15 minutes early
1: oh yeah okay yeah that's that's kind of a problem we'll get to that in a minute but anyway um, yeah the app was weird how the app worked there and nothing else did
0: yeah, which convenient. isn't which
1: isn't a, a Bunbury problem. And if you've gone to a festival before, and this happened just at Lollapalooza, and I'm sure it's happening to people at Bonnaroo, is that since everybody is there, it's very hard to get service because everyone is just crushing the system. But Lizzie taught me a trick, and I thought she was crazy. She said, "Just stick your phone oh up in my the air," God, you look, and like it such worked. A
0: nerd. It worked,
1: though. I got messages to you guys. It worked. All right. So, if you want a detailed review of Jack White, listen to the Cincy Shirts podcast because our boss Darren stands Jack White. <laughs> So that's sorted. You have to go listen to that. And then uh, Chainsmokers, um, I only saw them for like a minute and uh, a little more EDM-y than I thought they'd be. But then I realized if you told me it makes sense, they're DJs. What what was the rest of your impression of their set?
0: I now am an EDM person and I never thought I would be. Wow. I love the Chainsmokers with my whole little heart. Actually, okay. That's not even true. It started out as irony and i was just gonna see the Chainsmokers smokers to be like funny and edgy or whatever uh, but it was like the most fun show of the whole thing those edm people know how to party
1: right what was their single after was it roses was the one after the selfie song <laughs> and it was and it was, yeah, it it was, was quite a while selfie. after i mean greg james on radio one said boy they were they did well going in a different direction yeah. because they kind of almost painted themselves into a corner
0: yeah almost they like were LMA- like almost the lonely island like LMA- yeah, yeah. they're almost like
1: lmfao and they're kind of like well what do we do now but, uh, all right, let's go down the list, because the, the festival, they listed from top to bottom, like, headliners down through the smaller acts.
0: Posty! Po- Post
1: Malone. I didn't think he did anything that different song-to-song. Nice bloke!
0: Yeah, he wasn't that exciting, but he yeah. sounded good. Yeah,
1: sounded good. Uh, Incubus we didn't see, a lot of people stand. sorry. Foster. Uh, ah, shocked. Yes. <laughs> they, people really enjoyed Foster, and he really packed in that Sawyer Point side. Even though there wasn't anybody else on the other stage on the other side. Yeah, it,
0: but still.
1: It, for those not in the know, uh, Bunbury's at a. Uh, it's actually two parks in Cincinnati. They're next to each other, and they're separated by a uh, what's now a pedestrian bridge. It used to be a, a vehicle and train bridge, but uh, there's one side is Sawyer Point, the other side is Yetman's Cove. And Yetman's Cove has the the main main stage. The Sawyer Point side has like the second main stage, and there's two other smaller stages. <laughs> Uh, There's an acoustic stage and what's called the River Stage, which is where our t-shirt stand was. Well, not our t-shirt stand. Well, sort of our, t- it t- is our t-shirt. It is our t-shirt, <laughs> t-shirt stand. Anyway, Foster was on the other was on the slightly smaller side, but they um, they packed it. And even though people didn't really like that second album a whole bunch, uh, they sure like Foster the People a lot seeing him live.
0: Well, everyone just came to hear Pumped Up Kicks. Every single person I talked to really only knew Pumped Up Kicks. Yeah. Oh, I every single person. Their,
1: I thought people knew that at least that first album pretty well. Okay, so. Uh, Young the Giant crushed it. They were uh, on Always Friday night. Do. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and Foster were Saturday. Young that were on in the same slot but different nights. And yeah, uh, Young the Giant, your quintessential uh, festival band. Grizz, <laughs> um, lots of EDM, uh, Dropkicks, of course.
0: Ah, our favorite.
1: I know a bunch of drunk Irish guys. I can say that. Yes. I'm I'm one quarter drunk Irish guy. So. Um, but yeah, they were good They've got something around for like, they said twenty, twenty one 21 years Something like that
0: yeah, yeah, something crazy And
1: you wouldn't think they'd be a good festival band And yet, there you have it um, That's especially- so true Yeah uh, Royal Blood Did, Did you, see- you see them? No you- I
0: remember I wanted to, but that was when it was raining So I
1: bailed uh, okay Third Eye Blind
0: Oh, they were good Yeah They He, like, got diagnosed with bronchitis that morning That's right played, And I was like, all right oh. Um, all of their songs, it turns out I know them all, but I just
1: right, yeah, didn't yeah.
0: realize that, so that was a nice surprise. <laughs>
1: uh, a couple of gals I was working with at the t-shirt stand wanted to see them, so they, they took turns going over to see them, even though oh, that's cute, my one friend was like, I would probably not even recognize what they look like, Yeah, <laughs> but I know all the songs. Because um, she was in high school right at that time, but they were huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was at the record store, so that was kind of the tail end of the... The whole thing for me with with that, that scene. Um, Coheed and Cambria didn't see them, I think, because somebody else oh, was I on. Oh, I
0: wanted to. Yeah, I feel like people there's a reason we them. didn't see them. I
1: think we were watching somebody else. Well,
0: uh, stupid.
1: Manchester Orchestra we missed just because it was Sunday and we needed to get stuff done at home before we went yeah. out. Yeah. But uh, my friends in California stan Manchester Orchestra.
0: Yeah, I wish I would have seen do. them. Fits. I didn't see
1: Right, that. fits so good. Uh, <laughs> just, just like last time, man, they they just brung it Uh uh, sounded great live, played all the hits, uh, did a little 40 minute set and out. And then, uh, Lecrae, I only heard a part of. Okay.
0: I only knew Lecrae as a Christian rapper. Yeah. But he was like a DJ.
1: Oh, really? Like, okay.
0: cause I remember sitting at the Cincy Shirts booth and hearing Kendrick Lamar blaring from somewhere oh, and I'm like, okay. who the heck? And it was Lecrae.
1: Well, they, um, they snuck down and gave him a shirt.
0: Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I was fun. so excited.
1: Yeah. Um, Mr. Wives. Mr. Wives, uh, um, visually remind me of Scissor Sisters and B-52s and, uh, Delight. But sonically remind me of Paramore if they'd got They remind me of that band through. that we
0: saw open for everyone that one summer, um, open for Vampire Weekend and then they were at Bunbury. Oh, cults. Yeah, that's the oh, they really? of.
1: Oh, okay. They seem to... Well, that, now that you mention it, yeah. They uh, they do kind of... They don't look like cult, but now that you think... If you just were blindfolded... You close your eyes, yeah. Yeah, although um, a little more uh, Ska and Mr. Wives, so that was kind of... Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. Oh,
0: he was so good.
1: Okay. While you were seeing him, I was seeing Arizona and their buddies.
0: Oh, that's cute. But
1: they were at the same time, almost at the same time. They were 15 minutes apart, so we couldn't see them. Um, Laney was good. We noticed a lot of bands from Los Angeles and Ohio were at this festival, (laughs) originally from Ohio, because Foster's from Ohio. Uh, Although Mr. Wives, Arizona, from New York, New Jersey, but Laney, and let me see, who else fits? And And Rex, uh, right? Yes, all from Los Angeles. Uh, Dropkick Murphys from Boston, of course. Anyway, um, so Laney was good, set cut short by an impending thunderstorm, which didn't stop them two years ago from letting the lead singer of... um, um, um bell and sebastian run through the crowd picking people out as a thunderstorm was properly rolling in and they um, were lowering the screens while the he was pulling same people thing happened for the
0: neighborhood do you yeah. remember that oh that's right yeah yeah it was it was Those guys were loud and gloom for the neighborhood. and the black keys was the worst storm i've ever been caught in oh wow i don't remember that. and one. the storm for laney was not nearly oh, as bad as the black you know,
1: keys I, I was in the i was in the t-shirt booth during You're the right. Storm. that's right i, I came it.
0: by and got dry shirts from you that's remember? right that's
1: right yeah 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 okay front bottoms
0: your boys. Oh, I love them. They really are my boys. They're so <laughs> different. The person with me shall not be named, but made the comment that like, oh, they just like sound like neck deep and all them to me. And it's like, no, they're so unique and they're so good. And I could listen to him scream about his exes forever. Huh. I love him.
1: <laughs> uh, I heard Bishop Briggs because she was the the river uh, stage. I Everyone tells on her.
0: me that I would stand, but I missed they, her and I don't know why.
1: Uh, she's pretty good. Um, actually... Not uh, you, you kind of you're kind of like who's the other one you like Saint um, uh, Saint Vincent Saint Vincent a little, little Saint Vincent e but not as not quite as well
0: more like Grimes
1: yeah 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 perfect yeah kind of like Grimes kind of in that in that ballpark uh, a little more. Um, Kind of a, think of a more distant lights. <laughs> more distant. There you go. Arizona, who are not from Arizona, we, as we pointed out, um, interviewed them on the Cincy Shirts podcast. Go look for that. Uh, nice guys from New Jersey. Uh, it's kind of a, very much of what I would call a middle of the road. It's triple, we call it triple A album adult alternative. Packed the river stage. I was a little surprised how many people knew them. I and mean, people knew all the songs too, so. And stayed for the whole, for the whole set. Everything, everything are from the UK. It never took. The hmm. lead singer's voice gets oh, to me. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Sir Sly, don't know. I'm going to go down to a couple. Of, oh, Welshley Arms. are of oh, Cleveland,
0: oh, our mans. Yes,
1: we liked them a lot. Very bluesy, um, kind of rocky bluesy from Cleveland kind of thing. We gave them T-shirts and got pictures, and uh, they were very lovely. They didn't stop at the T-shirt booth, but uh, they were they were nice. They were nice, they were nice uh, and they're from Cleveland, so we stand. Uh, <laughs> did not get a chance to see Lily May. I've heard Lily May before. It's, more, it's kind of a uh, bluegrass, kind of an Allison Krauss situation. So those of you like your Alison Krauss uh. and, and your Bob Plant, uh, you would stand. And then let me see. <laughs> How
0: many times did she said? I
1: know, Stan? right? And I think that is all the groups. <clears> throat> I throat> Zoo Trip and Very Rocky. That was yeah. another thing. A lot of Rocky band And Lift the Medium, they're a local band. They it want a,
0: really was very louder than life. I would say last year. year
1: was a lot more hip hop, mm-hmm. rap pop.
0: And everyone and, got mad at them, so then this right. year they were like, we'll show you, and had like think so. every rock band. And I
1: would p- particularly say. Uh, Particularly, yeah, with um, not, well, not the Rex so much. The Rex are the rockernath, but little definitely I mean, lift the medium and Zoo Trip and very rocky.
0: I saw the Rex open for all time low, and the and that the time I saw the Rex open for all time low was all rock. Then the second time I saw all time low in the same year, they had Nash, a like Shawn Mendes, Troy Savant type situation open for them. So I feel like they can go either way.
1: <laughs> so uh, it was pretty good, pretty good Bunbury, I would say. Yeah, no better, no worse than. Than some, I was the year we saw Fun, I think, was probably still my favorite.
0: Uh, the year we saw the Orwells and Fall Out oh, oh, Boy and Paramore Killers.
1: and Was Killers on that year. Killers,
0: I think Killers was were that, year. that year. Yeah,
1: wow. There, I take it's that back. That's so the was, show to beat. But okay. this one was really good, and you know, again, same the same problem you have at any festival. And they, they've tried to address it this year by not having as many smaller bands as that, like that thing with Andrew McMahon and Arizona. There's people who are probably fans of both of those bands. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is people wanted, uh, there was the young people that wanted to see. Post Malone and the older folks wanted to see Jack White, but both were curious about the other. Yes, but that's post, so
0: true. But
1: poster, and it's it's just it's just a matter of it isn't Bunbury's fault. But it's just a, it's hard to get to the other side of the park because it's separated by a bridge and there's three tunnels that go under it. But it's like a big bottleneck. Once you get through there, you're fine. But if you want to go see another band, you've got to like leave when they're probably getting to the meat of their set mm-hmm. to go see the opening. But again, what can you do? It's either then then you can't That's bring as so many price great bands. Of a
0: festival, yeah. Exactly.
1: So what are you what are you gonna do? Is that maybe if you've seen the other band before, you think, oh, well, I've seen that. That's what happened at uh, Lala when it was the Killers uh, and um, Imagine Dragons. I'd never seen Imagine Dragons.
0: Uh, Imagine Dragons was there when we were there.
1: They were playing opposite of. Uh, Oh, no, they... Fin- no, Nine Inch they, no, Nails was I'm playing sorry.
0: opposite of the Killers. You're right.
1: They fi- uh, Imagine Dragons finished up. Oh, my God. Up.
0: I've seen Imagine Dragons. Uh,
1: they were finishing I up. I didn't
0: realize that. They
1: were finishing up as Killers were coming on. And I was, like, ten rows back for the Killers. I'm like, I'm not moving.
0: <laughs> I and didn't know close to you. And
1: Nine Inch Nails... At I was I'm at, going, at oh. Lana
0: Del Rey for the whole night. Oh, yeah, I didn't I was, leave. I was
1: properly because in for the Killers. those
0: fans are just a bunch of... Yeah. <laughs> A whole story, bunch of stands.
1: A story for another time. Well, we're going to get to the uh, interview with Rex.
0: <laughs> oh, no. That was the Self-Frightened Rabbit. Oh, that's, that's right. That's so sad. That is. Uh,
1: we saw San Francisco, too. I'm Cisco glad I too. saw them. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. I like them a lot. So I became we saw a, Icona
0: I, Pop.
1: We did. Oh, my God. I, Those are the OG chain
0: smokers.
1: <laughs> right? They really went that direction. Okay. Interview with the Rex coming up. There'll be a song of the week after that. As to be determined, I haven't decided what it's going to be yet, so stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, here now is our interview with The Rex. The Rex are a band from Los Angeles, California, though most of the members come from other parts of the country. They've got a lot of heat on them right now due to a single called Favorite Liar and their most recent single, James Dean. Here now is our interview with The Rex. and uh rex great way to start the
2: festival what's it like batting first oh uh, we love batting first yeah we like we, we like to get the uh the crowd warmed up and we like to get everybody kind of waking up for the day um we're kind of used to it being kind of some of the smaller one of the smaller bands on these festivals and today was yeah it was great i wasn't expecting so many people to come out at by 1:30, but uh we're really excited that everyone did yeah it was a nice crowd um we're from los angeles california how long have you guys been together? Uh, about two and a half years, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. It was November two thousand fifteen that we formed. Um, so about two and a half years. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we've we've we formed in Los Angeles, but we're mostly from our hometowns from the East Coast. Okay, so you guys, like, are transplants or did you move out there? We all separately moved out there to pursue music careers, and then we had met because of that.
1: And what are some of the influences of the band? What uh is it guys all kind of listen to the same kind of stuff? Or is it like, because like we interviewed Paradise Fears once, and they, they don't look like they belong in the same band, the five of them. And they're like, well, yeah, but we all like the same stuff in high school. So that's how we found each other. But, but do you guys have different influences? or
2: Yeah, we definitely have uh, different influences and different tastes when it comes to music. But uh, the band started because I was listening to, I, I fell in love with, like, The Strokes and, and Jet. Oh I, I really, I discovered, again, Get Born by Jet because um, I I mean I listened to it when I was a kid but I had kind of rediscovered that album and it, that inspired the vo- a lot of the vocal approach for the first few songs and and uh, it was Pixies and Jesus and Mary Chain and all these noise bands from the 90s and 80s and so it was uh, yeah it was it was there was a few there a combination of, of a few bands that, that kind of inspired the culmination of the band but uh, after that it just it's everything changes and it's just whatever's new or whatever you're just randomly writing and uh, but yeah, it started with with those bands. You Like the Vaccines, uh, they're they exactly kinda, yeah, that's they're, another band. Yeah, yeah, they they've been really well with you guys. Vampire Weekend. Um, there you go. Bands like that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Cool. And um, so a bit rockier than I thought live than on the record. Um, is that kind of because I know some bands in the studio they kind of like the producer maybe them a little bit or they or when they get out on stage they just like they get you know just like to explode. Is that was like a conscious thing or is that
2: no? I think uh, I don't know. I think it's just we just love playing live we love seeing people react i don't think that that's something that we do consciously um it's just natural it's just a natural thing that happens um i think we try to make our records sound big um we do produce our own songs um we we produce all our own music so maybe for the next record we'll try to make it sound on recording as big as it it feels live but you know once once you start playing gigs you kind of realize more about the songs and you change little things to make them feel a little bit bigger but sometimes in the studio sometimes when we're recording songs we've never actually played the song fully live before because oh, okay. we we love to create as we go and write as we go so sometimes we'll be layering things down and then at the end we'll have the full song we're we'll like all right here's the song and then we'll get in and then we'll, we'll play it live and then we'll go back to the studio and fix things that we learned about it so i think it's uh maybe that's why it is you know
1: do you like to do a lot of work on the road with them, maybe, when you're playing live and you need to find, find something new to, to do in the song?
2: Uh, sometimes. Uh, we, we like to soundcheck new songs that we're working on and new ideas, and that we learn a lot about the songs uh, in soundcheck that we'll then go to the studio after tour's over and we'll work on. I do bring a portable and mobile setup with me um, so that we can work while we're on the road, but that gets difficult. To, definitely. It's, it's hard to find time sometimes. So James Dean was the
1: Song of the Week last week on the podcast and uh so how did that song come together yeah Yeah. how'd that song come together
2: um that was uh i was actually in london uh i was i'd I'd gone out to london about two years ago and i uh i was actually out there to write and produce for uh uh a friend of mine i was he flew me out to write and record with him and i uh i'd set up i we were working with this band nothing but these we'd just gone on or we're about to go on tour with them and i wanted to go in and work with the producers that they worked with on their first record so i had this idea this james dean song i had like the, co- the chorus idea and uh i just went in with these guys uh, jim and julian and i kind of showed them the idea i was like you know i didn't know what we were even going to work on that day i just wanted to work with them on anything because i was working as a writer for other bands and uh, stuff like that so i was just like let's just make a song and we sat down and uh it felt really natural we wrote the song like two hours we just kind of because I had a lot of the lyrics And I had the main chorus idea And then we just like Fleshed it out really quick And we only fleshed out Like a verse chorus But then uh, The guitars Our guitar Schmiz And I reworked it And finished it And then we recorded A few different versions of it And then when we went Into the uh, studio To record it for the final time, every, we kind of learned a lot about it again from playing it live over the last two years, and and, and from, a, from re-recording different parts. And we just, yeah, it it, it kind of had a, it had a few different versions. It had, it had a process, but um, again, we're kind of creating it from the start, so we can open up the session and rip things out and put new things in, and continually evolve the song until it's somewhere that we're confident with. Is everybody in the band right? Uh, just the guitarist, strings, and I. We okay. do all the writing okay and well, so actually our other guitarist does um he, he's he produces a lot he's a like a hip-hop producer okay. he loves he does a lot of beats so he he'll come in with some of that sometimes in the studio when we need like a keyboard part or some pads or something like that he'll produce a little bit so when you work with shiz what,
1: what's the process like that is it a similar process all the time or is it do ideas come from anywhere
2: or? uh yeah Shmiz and i literally just sit down sometimes with a couple of guitars sometimes just with my laptop and i'll just start i'll throw a drum loop down and he'll start with a riff and uh every song's different. Sometimes I'll literally have the whole song finished and I'm like, "All right, I need guitar parts, or I need some hooks here. Where should we put them in?" And but yeah, again, we just yeah, just pull up Pro Tools on my laptop and we just start chopping away at, at an idea, at a riff on a, from a voice memo or um, maybe we just, you know, it's a drum loop that inspires a bass rhythm. Every song's different.
1: So, do you enjoy the performing part the writing part is one thing that that
2: you enjoy more out of the process? No, it's all, it's all being in a band to me. Uh, and I think that in 2018, a lot of bands and a lot of artists are pretty starting to produce their own music. And I think that that's all part of the process. Once you're on the road, you want to be back in the studio working. When you're in the studio too long, you want to get out on the road. It's all part of it. Because when you write and record the song, you're, I, I try to stay conscious of like, all right, we got to play this live. Let's make sure that there's call, maybe call and response things or there's something where the crowd can participate in the song. Um, and I think that, again, when you're doing it, all on your own you can you can be very conscious and self-aware of every step of the process all the way up until your headlining tour when you've got the song sounding perfect and all the guitar tones sounding perfect and um yeah it's every we we've, were very uh, attentive to details so it, literally down to the guitar tones for each song and things like that so it's
1: yeah it's- so do you like overwork some of the ramones used to complain about phil specter in the studio saying you know should it be this should it be then you're like no one can tell the difference dude does it get down to that and brian wilson used to be the same way and they'd be they'd try people crazy in the studio it'd be like it's finished man it's finished
2: yeah i think that uh we just trust our tastes i guess you just kind of and that's a that's a part of being a producer too is knowing when to stop knowing when a song's finished because a lot of producers will never feel like it's done you just got to put it out there um we will keep working on it until we're like okay now every time i listen through it i like every part every you know course hits where it should every post course hits when it should every verse resolves the way it should it's it's definitely a process but we just keep working until we're like okay it, don't touch it. Don't no one. No one touch the computer. Just bounce the song. It's done.
1: I remember one of my heroes, Andy McCluskey from OMD. I interviewed him one time and asked him, "Do you ever run into that problem?" And he's like, "I'll be doing the videos. And I'll be like, oh no, this has to be mixed again." Do you ever like go back and think that when you're doing a, a when you hear the song on the radio and or on Spotify or wherever and be like,
2: hmm. Well, actually, so we we didn't uh, mix this EP. We usually yeah. mi- like to mix our music too, but we gave it up to Mark Needham, who is uh-huh. a. Very talented mixing engineer. He mixed one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, Mr. Brightside by The Killers. And so when we got to work with him, I was like floored. Um, And uh, that process was very frustrating because we were, you know, sending mixed notes and things like that. When you're not actually sitting down working on it, it's very nerve-wracking and it's it's frustrating to not just be like to try to explain to someone you know, all right, turn the guitar up, but then it's a little too loud, and then you have to send another email, you know I was like, but then you, that email has a hundred different things that you sent, like turn the guitar down or uh, put the you know this vocal shouldn't have an echo here, things like that. It, going back and forth with the emails from mixed notes is so frustrating that so I think for this album we're gonna do it ourselves um, but what did happen is we had our the mixes done, and we had them mastered. And everything was finished, and we were getting ready to send them to uh, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all that. And at the last second, especially James Dean, it was from a note from our label that said, Turn the guitars down when we were finished fixing them. They're like, ah, I won't, it, radio, it won't work, the, the guitars are too loud. Um, and so, that was how I kind of conceded. I was like, okay we're, we'll just leave the guitar and then the last second, I was listening to him, I'm like, this song doesn't feel good like I don't feel anything when I hear it like it's not punching me in the face. I want those guitars to be loud, and I want the fuzz to be loud the high end to be like buzzing in my ear, so without telling the label, I hit up the mastering guy and I sent him an old mix that had the guitars. I like told him turn turn the guitars way up. They sent a new mix over. I sent him to the mastering guy I had him. Uh, remastered the, like 2am two, a, 2 a. M., and then sent the label a folder like here oh sorry I sent you guys the wrong thing like here's the actual masters and that's what uh, that's what we put out and then James Dean started getting radio play on, on Sirius Hits 1 which is a pop station like pop radio and I told I like literally sent uh, when the label noticed that they were like oh we noticed you turned the guitars up and I was like I told <laughs> them I was like yeah because guitars aren't the enemy uh, bad songs are you know like oh it's not, yeah, yeah absolutely it's not the guitars are, it can be on radio it's just gotta be good guitar- it's gotta be good parts it's gotta you know
1: well, my uh, youngest daughter's on your side. She's a big Clash fan, oh, and she's amazing. in De- – Declan McKenna, she's into now. you probably heard of him I'm being over in England. Yeah, she's – a region. and whenever I play something, she's like, needs more guitars, Dad. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm more of a keyboard guy, but yeah. I like some – I like the killers. Like I said, killers, vaccines, and all that. Yeah. So, it's, is it uh, still a rough business being a musician? What's the focus now? Because in the old days, it was album tour, album tour. Yeah. Selling records was, was a big thing, and so was – and you didn't really make a lot of money touring, and now it seems to have flip-flopped itself. Totally opposite. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how do you, like, you know, focus on that but still also pay? attention to the music because that's what people are coming to see
2: um again i don't know if it's a conscious thing it's just a natural thing we just kind of we know like all right we got to make songs and then hopefully people like those songs enough to like them live and come to our shows again or come out to shows i think that our focus because we do our own production is like just i don't get the music done love it and trust your taste that other people are going to like it. Don't think too much about the radio. Don't think too much about... Because that's when you just start writing very... That's when you start kind of chipping off the edges of songs and and, and you've got this very well-rounded-out perfect song, which doesn't exist. And a perfect song, it doesn't sound... It's just boring. So you want to just trust what you like and then trust that your your taste and what you like is what other people are going to like. So we just... Yeah, I think I, I, with touring, it's it's definitely where... Like money is for bands now and we luckily have a very, very loyal crowd that comes to every show. whether we're supporting or headlining, they'll pay the same. They'll pay 40 dollars for a support uh, for a support ticket that we're on and just the same they'll spend $10 on a headlining show ticket you know like the, and they'll be front row for no matter what the festival today we, I, I recognize like 40 different people in the front because and it's a, you know, it's a festival that's an expensive ticket that's not a but they'll, they'll come it's, it's just a loyal fan base across the whole country and that's, that helps us a lot and engaging with that and recognizing that and being appreciative of that um, makes it fun for everybody
1: uh, yeah, my daughter saw you open for all time low. I guess it must have been where did she, might have been here. I can't remember the last time she saw them was
2: Cleveland
1: maybe. No, it wasn't. It was either Columbus oh, this, or here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And she was very excited. You guys were going to be here, so um yeah. Is she here
0: today? Yeah, she Hope is. She She's, um, it.
1: she is running around somewhere. <laughs> um, her uh, and I'll cut this out of the interview. Her her, her ex boyfriend is here, and she saw him, and she oh yeah. she didn't want to talk to him, so, so she ran off. I and I saw you on. guys coming into the trailer. I'm like, yeah. oh, I got to interview those guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, it happened. know where the other guys are? are they doing they went. Yeah, yeah, they went. I don't
1: know. So what do you feel about like getting songs into movies and getting used in commercials? Because that seems to be a big way bands make money and people so, get upset about that. But I'm like, when my band's going to a commercial, I'm like, yes, they can still make records now.
2: Exactly. No way. You should people should be very supportive of that. Yes. I actually um right before the wreck started, I was uh, I was doing that as my uh primary income. I would write songs for commercials and TV oh, shows and like movies and stuff. Yeah. Or- so I was writing like these very generic kind of like indie rock songs um, because I did I had influence from like Jet and like all these bands who had commercial success and that then you can you know kind of use that style to get you know these syncs and it just felt kind of soulless to kind of take from the styles that were cool and just happened to get mainstream success because it became cool and then use it for like Commercial work. Yeah. I was kind of doing that anyway because I, I needed the money and I was broke. So I was like, so it, I, I stopped doing it because it just felt soulless to write music yeah. specifically for commercials. Um, and the lyrics are all like, "Come on, come on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can do this." You know, we got it. You know, it's so funny, but it was it pays really well and there's a lot of money. Yet. So now with our band, we've seen some syncs and we've got we um, we've got we just got a commercial and um, we're about to we can't announce it yet, but we just got another really big campaign commercial for this coming up year and it helps us like it helps the band keep going and it allows us to pay our managers and pay our booking agent and our business managers and allows us to hopefully get a bus for our headlining tour next, you know, like things like that. It's just like those things keep, keep bands alive. And I think that fans should be definitely supportive of, of any band that like gets their song and,
1: and yeah, like, I mean, sure. the only downside is you know you, you don't want the song you don't want like James Dean to remind you of like you know an Audi cool. or what.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah. on the other, like I said, you the, know the, the band still gets to to make money. Like that uh, Edward Sharpe and Magnetic Zeros, they made a ton of money off oh, of Home yeah. from oh. the NFL and some other. Mm-hmm. And like and that's they got a lot of people to pay.
2: <laughs> some bands, I'm not going to name any, but some bands people assume are actual. I like to call them like actual bands. Oh yeah. But yeah. they they literally do just write. For sync, like in the back of their head like they write these songs with these tags that are like i'm coming home or <laughs> or we are the champions you know like literally i mean yeah, queen yeah. that was kind of a sync, but like i mean it's queen so they can sure. do that but that was literally if you think about it, that was like that was a sync song and we will rock you yeah yeah right like those are like written for stadiums that's yeah, written yeah. for a football game right yeah. um but so what bands will do now is is they'll literally write songs like you know we are uh you know, we are the winners like, yeah. like, stupid stuff like that because they know that it'll make them money that's where it gets weird and I think that's where people can kind of uh, judge it a little bit where it's like okay clearly you wrote this song because it sounds like that folk song that was big last year yeah. and you're writing it now this year which is late for the style but it's big because people are familiar with that sound and it'll do well in a fucking Folgers commercial right? <laughs> right, right. or like a, a Pampers commercial you know so I think that a lot of bands do it on purpose and it's kind of cringy Um but, you know, I, I think that's the only time that you can you can tell, and that's where syncs and the, getting jingles and commercials yeah. are like, okay, maybe well, they're... And
1: styles overall, too, because now it seems everybody needs to have on their label a Declan McKenna, a George Ezra, you know, a, someone like that. But, I mean, as long as they're all good, I guess that's fine, because those guys are all... Then Jake Bug and all those those oh, guys all make great records. So, yeah, yeah so no, I guess...
2: No, bands will get syncs. It's not that. It's like, like band, bands who get syncs, I'm all about it. I, I've supported... It. I'm, I'm talking about bands that, like, literally just... Right, specifically to get syncs. You know what I mean? Here's, here's fangirl. <laughs> you talking,
0: didn't answer any of my texts. I was talking. I'm, talk, I'm talking to Rex. I know. <laughs> pop records. I know. <laughs> sorry, any, sorry to interrupt.
2: It's all good. Do you have any questions for Rex? Oh,
0: I'm just gonna join in on this little this whole session. You guys right, are, are
2: matching. You know. I like it.
0: I right? know we didn't plan it. We're such nerds.
1: Right. right. I'm all wearing my.
0: daughter
1: matching. There it is. Um, so how did you fall into the? work of writing for commercials like did you go uh, so, to Los Angeles for that
2: no I had a manager that I was writing for like uh the same managers that we have for our band but I was writing for other bands and things like that and they suggested hey why don't you try writing for this sync stuff and I was broke at the time so they were they they suggested it and they gave me like ideas of what kind of songs it should be and gave me references and so yeah I just started it was just a it was just a suggestion from from uh, uh our managers before before the band was a thing oh wow and uh yeah, yeah, it was. It was just fancy
1: like, writing anything else like musicals or. Because it seems to have written a lot of different things, uh, uh, soundtracks I don't know if or. I
2: have the composing chops to do like a musical. I think that uh, I would love to try it, but I. A lot of those guys just have such amazing. Uh, t- talent and knowledge in music theory and ways to move chord progressions to like work for oh it's gotta be menacing so we're gonna go to this chord and this diminished chord like I don't know any of that shit I just I go by I just go I, I just go by ear so so like when I'm working on a song it's gotta just feel right so I'll yeah. put this note in it and all of a sudden it makes the chord feel like this like I don't I wish I did I should study it more um, maybe once I uh, you know brush up on my uh, music theory chops and I could maybe explore writing a musical or something like I
1: that. I wrote with a guy in Pittsburgh. Uh, we wrote about 20, 25 songs and done with and everything. And he was the musical genius and he knew all that stuff. Too. And I was he's like, oh, this needs this. And then yeah, it it, the it, he would try to teach me <laughs> and I'd be like, I can't even read yeah. music, dude. I can I can pluck out melodies on the keyboard and yeah. after practicing for a long time I did get better. I could play without making any mistakes which shocked me. But beyond that I was like, ah, I'm just going to put some melodies and some lyrics. Yeah, that's exactly. that's my, yeah. Totally. So uh, what's the the future for Rex, man? Keep touring bigger venues
2: um yeah we are gonna we have a little festival run right now Uh, a couple we have a headlining show tomorrow in pittsburgh but after that we are
1: that's where my friend is from pittsburgh oh amazing
2: tell him to go he's got to go to the show i will Um, i should i should email him it's the rex at the rex theater oh there you go that's so cute Um, uh, (laughs) yeah yeah we're we're doing a couple we have like three more shows after this in a row and then we're gonna go back where we recorded the last ep which is in a barn in western new york and we're gonna uh start recording the album Oh nice. Yeah. okay. so will
1: any of the songs repeat from the album? Or are you going to
2: uh... Oh no, I am not really I mean maybe if, if James Dean like pops off and becomes like a smash, then we would put it on just because why not
0: right Then you know
2: then then sure maybe we'd put that on the album but I don't really like to you know, some bands would take our two EPs, put them together, slap on two more songs and call it an album but I think that we trust that we'll write enough songs and write enough songs that we love to like do a full album that is all original. Uh, new songs like there's we've there's already like 40 written so it's just about oh, like, wow. and recorded so it's just about like picking which ones that we want to actually go in and um, and record for real alright and where can folks find you rex.com we are the rex everything is we are the rex we are
1: the rex awesome ok well, well thanks for doing the interview appreciate yeah, thank it thank you very much alright All Nick Anderson of The Rex. That's going to take us up to our song of the week. A little bit of a tight time crunch here, getting out of here. Uh, but for all your Rex information, uh, you could go to... I believe it is therex.com. Am I guessing this correctly? Um, we are the Rex.com. And then you, they have tour dates there. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, all those things. And then uh, if you want to find anything more about the other bands that we talked about, uh, Bunbury still has all the biographies up from all the bands, and you can connect to them uh, that way, and you can find out more about all the bands we were talking about. Uh, as we said, another great festival. Looking forward to 2019 already, which brings us to the Song of the Week. Song of the Week is from a band called Gang of Youth. They were supposed to perform on Saturday. Saturday, but they were uh, they were a little under the weather uh, the lead singer was so uh, they had to uh, cancel their performance but we have a song of the week from them anyway the song is called let me down easy it's a nice uh, alternative rocker I think fits right in kind of with the Rex and you know all-time low and that sort of affair so uh, here it is let me down easy song of the week on PFTA recorder so long and thanks for listening won't
2: won't see who you are I won't to try to let me down easy, easy Easy tonight, honey. It's no secret that with matters of the heart, unreserved, I'm irrational and rarely ever But since the.